Olay! It's Dub Talk time. In the Dub Talk Dub Talk podcast. In the Dub 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 podcast room. In the Dub 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 Talk Talk podcast room. All the host screens words and the editors groan. In the Dub Talk Dub Dub Talk 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 podcast room. Welcome to our Dub Loving Hideout. You lusty listeners, you. Here's some rules to follow for our show and for all the birds too. Offensive language, hard subjects, so fly the coop if they're too much for you. And fine listeners, there will be spoilers for all of man gotcha man crowds too. And opinions of that, (laughs) and opinions are those of the individual host and not the entire podcast in the dub talk dub talk dub talk 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 podcast room. What? They said the show was about birds and they have an enchanted hideout. Screw you guys, I'm gonna go butcher the Sherman Brothers music somewhere else. Hello, fellow heroes of justice, and welcome to a brand new episode of Dub Talk. A show where a bunch of nerds get together and talk about the latest and greatest in anime voiceover in the English language. Uh, today marks a very special occasion. Uh, happens to be my birthday. Happy Yay. birthday! Uh, I am Roots of Justice, and today, the episode I have selected for my birthday is on Gachaman Crowds. Ooh. Burn. Uh, so... Joining me today are none other than the girlfriend, Megan. Hi! And the fellow tokusatsu, like, really nerdy stuff guy that I like to bring on episodes like this. I'm on. You know it's better than ninjas? That's right. Science ninjas. <laughs> oh yeah. Technicolor Science Ninjas. Technicolor Science Ninjas, which may be the only anime liked by Alex Ross, because he too was a child <laughs> in the mid-70s. <laughs> so you may be wondering the story of Gachamon Crowds. And thankfully, I have a story description ready to go, courtesy of Anime News Network. The city of Tachibana is protected by super-fighting humans known as Gachaman. Warriors equipped with special reinforced suits that are powered by note. Spiritual powers manifested from living beings. Hachime Ichinose, a 16-year-old energetic high school girl who is obsessed with collecting day planters and stationery, is selected to become a Gachaman. She is tasked with fighting against a mysterious alien lifeform known as Mess. But due to the nature of her personality, she doesn't take her duties very seriously. Yet her irresponsible actions end up doing much more good than harm. Much to the dismay of one other Gachamon fighter. Poor Sugane does not get paid enough to deal with Hajime's fucking bullshit. Mm-mm. I mean, to be fair, neither does Paimon, but... Mm-hmm. Paimon deserves nothing! <laughs> Paimon is, a cow- Paimon is a coward who would desert a dying man. 
Paimon, I, I don't like Paimon. Paimon annoys the living shit out of me more than... A lot of people will be like, oh, Hajime is so annoying. No, that's the coward's answer. <laughs> I guess why I chose Gachaman Crowds to be my be my birthday episode. Um, honestly, it's a show I watched during the simulcast period and just for whatever reason never got around to the dub. Um, also, I think considering it is right now the year of our Lord 2020, um, a lot of the stuff in the show is actually kind of starting to come true in in both the exciting ways and the absolutely terrifying under your skin terrifying ways that modern technology is just taking over and you know the people who are responsible for developing the technology of tomorrow don't even comprehend the consequences of such things until, you know, somebody has either utilized their technology in a way that actually does an extreme amount of good, or completely breaks the system. <clears throat> Twitter. <clears throat> not to, Excuse me. Not, not to put a... Something in my throat. Not to put too fine a point on other things related to technology that feature birds. <laughs> Oh my god. They knew. They knew. They were trying to warn us. They've been trying to warn us since the 70s, man. (laughs) It's in the atmosphere, man. They put it in the water. (laughs) Question. Does it turn the birds gay? (laughs) Maybe. Well, at least one of the birds in this is very gay. That's true. And a second, possibly a second one, depending on your interpretation of the lore that they try to imply, but not directly confirm. Listen, if you go through this entire show thinking that Odie, Berg, or Rui are straight, I have to ask, were we watching the same show? Uh, but in any case, um, we should probably get started with our ADR crew. And for our director, we have one Mr. Kyle Colby Jones. And the credited scriptwriter is none other than Clint Bickham. Uh, both pretty big mainstays of the Sentai dubbing scene. Uh, so, who wants to start us off? Uh, do you want to go first, Megan? Uh, sure, I'll go first. Uh, so this is a show that I had started in the Japanese, but never got around to finishing it. Uh, so this is the first time that I finished it, and I do think that the dub is very rough around the edges, There are some uh, wallow performances that just aren't very good, that stand out. There's a couple of really stiff line reads. Um, There are some performances on this that I actually do think come off as really obnoxious. uh, Just because of the way that they push 
the actor or actress to go in there. Um, I think that the dialogue can get a little bit too... um, (laughs) There are parts of the dialogue that I think are absolutely funny, and then there are other parts of the dialogue that I actually want to, to, to kill. Like, I find it really weird that Paimon keeps calling Hajime a noob. And I don't get it, because Paimon doesn't strike me as a character who, one, would get modern ja- modern slang to, like, modern gamer slang. Because I, I feel like Paimon, like, doesn't even use a cell phone until later on in the series. So, I, I don't really get it. Like, I don't get why Paimon, Paimon calls everybody, calls Hajime a noob all the time, um... There are some. There was one performance that I thought was like a little too stereotypical on the nose, but as the character and the performance went on, I I think that that actor particularly grew into it. Um, I'm never gonna be over. Uh, I'm never gonna be over the gayest cat fight I've ever seen in an anime. Um, <laughs> that fucking those fucking lines just just. I have it written down only because it just got me so hard, which is uh, the line that was written in English. Uh, You're just a sissy bitch who can't do a damn thing unless you disguise yourself as someone else. Like, there are some times that I, there, that they they slip into the, to the slang and it, it doesn't always hit and it's a little bit like, okay, oh, okay, this is happening, all right, um, but yeah, no, uh, the only other real complaint I would have is, um, there's, there's a couple of secondary characters who have the same voice as main characters, and they are very similar to each other, so it's a little distracting. Okay. Uh, Amon? Uh, <coughs> I, think a lot, I think a lot of my cons mirror Megan's. This is, a. Uh... This is this is interesting to listen to because most of the uh, Sentai dubs I've heard recently have been they've been very recent. They're like Mr. Tanigawa, things like that. Um, and this is clearly a lot closer to the kind of stuff that ADV would have put out back in the day. It's a lot more like wild and loose in comparison to something like like Funimation would make. It's clearly a lot less concerned. You know, Funimation, with certain exceptions, tend to feel like they're they're trying to be very, uh, they're, they're, they tend to hew a little closer to what the Japanese is doing. I think they kind of want to recreate a little more closely. Uh, Sentai, especially, if, at least this, from this one, are clearly a little more willing to be, you know, are going to put in a lot of teenage slang. Uh, and sometimes it works, and sometimes you feel like you're watching the bad part of a Diablo Coda movie. It, it can vary. Uh, or maybe one of those, those Tatum scripts that I've never actually watched the dub for, so, uh, I can't really compare it to that. Um, that said, I, I I did enjoy this. I thought the leads were generally strong for what their their characters needed, uh, and I think especially as it as the show went on, I thought the uh, it got, things got a little stronger and cohesed a little more together. Um, I think you could you could definitely hear like, the actors getting a little more comfortable in their roles in a good way. You know, like this is this is this. I I, I think I maybe enjoyed it a little more than Megan just because I think this a part of me found the uh, sort of you know weird flaw in it, flaws in it kind of charming if that makes any sense I, don't, mm-hmm. I, I do like the dub a lot yeah. it's just there there are just a lot of like nitpicky things like I actually really do like a majority of the the main oh, core, yeah. core cast no, except no. for there's like one performance that drives me absolutely but bonkers yeah, yeah. no just uh, more, I, I think some of the some of the weird rough human edges um 
if not appeal to me specifically, like they just, they, 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 they whatever, you know, eh. Eh, that line could have been delivered a little better. Ah, well, is what it is. Uh, I'm very forgiving that way. <laughs> Pay me to review your things. I'll be, I'll be very easy on you. <laughs> Five dollars <laughs> pop. Um, but no, I, I, it, it helped that I, I enjoyed what the show was going for in the first place, and I do think on the whole, like the dub, uh, bolstered that pretty well. I think it's, it was well put together. And I, since I know a lot of these, like dubs from the early days of Sentai can be a little hit or miss in places. I thought this one was was on the whole pretty strong. I, I definitely I definitely enjoyed myself watching it, particularly towards like the end of the series, I think, when uh, I think both the dub the dub cohesives a little bit more and also the plot starts to take into high gear. It was a good time. Okay. Alright. So in terms of the uh direction and script writing, I will say that some casting choices initially didn't make sense to me. Uh, but I am happy to report that a lot of those ones that I kind of had initial gripes about um, generally evened out in the end. Uh, one of them, in fact, is one of my favorite performances of the show. Um, oh, and by the way, just I probably should have mentioned this in the beginning of the episode, but um, our review for the moment is strictly covering the first season of Gatchaman Crowds. Um, if this does well enough, I would like to go back and do Insight because the two seasons, they play off of each other pretty well, but at the same time, they are different enough in subject matter and tone that I feel like they deserve their own separate episode. So if you'd like to see a review for Gatchaman Crowds Insight, do feel free to leave a comment. Anyway, enough shameless plugging. Um, I do have to agree that the uh, script writing did feel like sort of late-era ADV. Which I I do happen to enjoy the the dubs of that particular era a lot, so it wasn't necessarily a critique or nitpick on my part. Um, I do have to agree with Megan though that um, Paimon letting out sort of what felt like a little bit of anachronistic uh, slang with the uh, with the gamer terminology and all that, you know, using noobs. Uh, did feel a little out of place, but other than that, when the when the scripts go really wild, especially with one particular character, uh, it ends up being an absolute blast. You know, this dub is also actually kind of interesting because, if I recall correctly, it is one of the dubs that was sort of in that initial period where Sentai stopped using Seraphim Digital as their primary recording studio and tried to do a bunch of their stuff in-house. So, this dub is from that really kind of fascinating transitional period between, uh, between moving between those studios. They brought back... Because I don't think... Kyle Colby Jones really did much dubbing in the early, or dub direction in the early days of Sentai Filmworks. It was really kind of 
the second half of the last decade where he really kind of showed up. So, if that's not accurate, feel free to correct me. I, you know, you can only do so much research for these episodes before the time to actually record them comes up. Mm. <clears throat> but yeah, as one of those sort of transitional... Um, I don't want to say it's Sentai starting to get serious about their doves, because that is most certainly not true. Uh, but it is a point where, you know, probably about a year after they dubbed this, because it, it feels like this would have been done, like, early to mid-2014. Um... About I think that's what it's. This... Yeah, it's in 2014 on the uh, the copyright. Okay. Um, because you know, year later, 2015, uh, a comic, a kill, and parasite get released, and those went to Toonami. So this was right around the time Sentai was about to go pretty wide with their dubs. Uh, so, I feel like this is kind of a fascinating period to look back at. But, all in all, um, direction, other than a few weird kind of moments of Walla, I think was overall pretty solid, and the scripts, um, were definitely much more hit than miss. Uh, so, overall, I would give this sort of segment a, a thumbs up. Alright, so moving on to our first batch of characters. Um, gonna get some of the bigger ones out of the way. Uh, first and foremost, um, we have Rui Neonomiya. Um, and by the way, since the... Um, the show presents Rui as male, so I will be, in describing Rui, I will you be using male pronouns. But Rui does, it seems like Rui might be non-binary or, I don't think fully trans, but, ah, uh, God, I'll... Trying to describe this is kind of awkward because Rui. There's a chance that Rui could be non-binary or just gender fluid, but the show doesn't go out of its way to confirm it, and they kind of just Rui dresses as a, a female, but uh, they they say he. It's just really really weird where the show really I think wants to heavily imply it, but doesn't outright want to say it. Right. Mm. Okay. Thank you. But for the purposes of this episode, I will be referring to Rui as he. Just because the, the show itself does. But I I honestly hope I'm not putting words into the mouth of the producer or creators. So Anyway, um, Rui is a tech developer who develops an app called Galax. And with the help of 
another character we'll be talking about in this segment, uh, Bergkatsa, uh, creates a system within Galax known as the Crowds. Uh, crowds being the physical manifestation of, I guess, a person's will uh, within the real world. Largely invisible to people unless you specifically know to look for them. Um, Rui is technically not the bad guy of the show. Uh but his creation, Galax, does end up being sort of the... Uh, which, by the way, is also manifested as an AI named uh, President X. Crowds ends up being sort of a system that the actual villain of the show, Burkatsa, uses as a means to sow chaos throughout. Uh, uh, Crowds ends up being sort of the system that Burkatsa uses to kind of incite chaos throughout the city in its attempt to not take over the world, but just flat out destroy it from the inside out. And Burkatsa, in this instance, is a uh, is a being that is sort of an androgynous alien being who loves to bring out the worst natures of people. Uh, it, it loves sowing chaos by disguising itself as a person and just... Um, in one of its first appearances, it turns into a guy and goes on a stabbing spree. And it just relishes the fact that it's hurting people and then when it transforms back and disappears back into the ether, the original person gets blamed. And that's sort of how it operates for the first couple of episodes and then it gains control of crowds and it attempts to use just public public anger for political figures to attempt assassinations, destroy public buildings, just all around create chaos. So, for our actors, uh, Rui Ninomiya is played by Shannon Emmerich. Uh, the AI President X is played by an actress by the name of Jenny Strader. And Burkatsa is played by none other than Mr. David Wall. Oh. Okay. Nothing important, Phil. <laughs> Alright, so, Megan, why don't you start us off? Uh, sure. So, I'll start with Jenny Strader. I think that they played President... I wish I knew other roles that they had done, but it's okay. Uh, Jenny Strader is uh, pretty good as the computer AI assistant. I like that they didn't give them just, like, a straight-up, like robotic overtone to their voice that it did felt warm and alive which I think a big part of X's character and Rui's character is that X is a living being and has its own heart and soul and and as Rui says X is their best friend in the world um, so you too can love your Alexa 
<laughs> That's right, kids. Alexa is going to become your best friend. Your Google Home is going to take you to prom. And you can fuck Siri. Um, just just put your put your dick up to the charging hole and let Siri blow. Um, you know, I'm a little sadder this episode uh, isn't going to come out closer to the No Guns Life episode. <laughs> just... Hey kids, do you like capitalism? <laughs> well, do I have bad news for you? This is the show that, like, this is the show that says it's okay. AI, like Amazon, Jeff Bezos's Alexa is is your friend, and it's okay. And remember, kids, that saving people's lives are just a video game. Um, but it's okay. From it's the a- economic system that brought you, baby nut. <laughs> you get that. You get that thing out of this household. <laughs> This is a nut-free household. This is a baby nut-free household. The only nuts that come are filled with cream. Um, I like the tweet someone said that I would take baby nut and process him through a food grinder to make him peanut butter for baby Yoda. If you can't tell, the superb owl happened around the time of this recording. Um... Uh, Rui is really interesting because I've genuinely been very critical of Shannon Emmerich on most things that I've watched her in. Um, I've never been a super, super huge fan of, of their, of their work. Um, most notably the, the, the big thing I, uh, 100% remember them in is as the annoying, the annoying little, uh, mascot character in, uh, Amnesia. Um, but I actually really like them as as Rui. Um, I really like that because Shannon can do both a girl voice, uh, a male and a female voice, that Rui does sound very androgynous. Um, I I think that they do sound a little bit young because I did find out that Rui is like 18. Wait, really? Yes. I don't believe but that's that not Shannon's fault. Yeah, I know, right? Damn, Rui, what the fuck you taking? Your makeup regimen is a godsend. Uh, yeah, I thought Rui was, like, 13 or 14. I, I looked it up on the Gotchaman wiki, and it said that Rui is 18 in this show. Um, Like, 18 specifically in the first season. Season, and they turn 19 in Insights, and I'm just like, oh, okay. you're, a, you're a fucking adult. Um, <laughs> you're a goddamn adult. Uh, but no, I, I really like them, and I really like that they are more calm and quiet, but when they freak out, it is a little bit louder. And the thing I like most about them is how they play off of of David Walt's character, who is the the goddamn best part of the stub. Um, as as Amon pointed out to me in the chat, uh, Berg Katze is played by Mamoru Miyano in the Japanese, which explains a lot. Mm-hmm. Which explains a lot of things. Uh, Dave is having the time of his goddamn life. Um, there is not a straight cell in in Bergkatze's body. Uh, they are they are over the top, deliciously evil. They ooze charisma and charm and bile at every point. Uh, the show actually did make me genuinely uncomfortable when David Wald's voice was coming out of Ruby's body. Just. <laughs> That's just a the the vocal dissonance that it, it, it and it works it, it works in the best way possible where Dave also has to pitch his voice up to Shannon Emmerich's level and it's like oh no I sound I'm the same Rui X it's okay 
Uh, there's also a part where he actually sounds eerily creepy to Joe's voice actor, too. Uh, and that was super impressive. Uh, I don't want to get away who plays Joe, who is Megan's favorite character via character design. Um, but overall, I think I think that uh, Jenny was solid, but Shannon and, and Dave did a really great job overall. Okay, um, Amon? Where to start? Uh, I, I also like Jenny's performance as president, as X. Uh, I, and I also like that um, there's a little bit of, like, a kind of a artificial quality to her performance. Like, there's there's that touch of, like, you know, it's not a, it's not a flesh and blood person, per se. Um, it is, you know, a, an artificial intelligence, but it's still, you know, you know it's, it's, it doesn't make it not a person. It has a personality. It's not so locked into, you know, whatever programming it is that, like, <laughs> when it sees Rui jumping up and down in front of a camera, it's like, wait a minute. Hmm. I think I might have been played. Let's fix that. I've um, been, you've, you, congratulations, Berg Katze has heckin' bamboozled a computer. <laughs> it's a, it's a mag- magic alien right there. Um, so I, th- I thought Jenny played that really well. And I liked her performances with Shannon, who I, I also thought brought a really strong performance. Um, Rui's interesting in that um, she like she's not antagonist, as we said. Um, although, as I did notice watching this, her her argument for why the Gotcha Man are bad is basically the same argument Lex Luthor makes about why Superman is bad, and we should stop paying attention to it. You, but uh, you can't listen to Lex Luthor. He stole forty cakes, and that's as much as four to end. Look, look, Rui, Rui is clearly <laughs> making that argument in significantly better faith than Lex Luthor is. Let me put that this out is, there. Yeah, because Rui hasn't stole forty cakes. <laughs> this is true <coughs> that we know of. <laughs> that um, we know of. That we know of. <laughs> um, but I thought Shannon played that very well in that. She, like there, there's I think up until you know as the story progresses, I was like, where is Rui falling on this? Like she's not, she's not a bad, she, he's not a bad guy. It doesn't seem like it, but how, there, there's some conflict with the Gotcha Man. How's this gonna shake out? And I thought Shen did a <coughs> good job playing that of making Rui seem maybe not not menacing, but like. Mm, you might you might not quite be on the side of the angels. I'm not sure yet, but still making it so that you know when as the plot falls out and it's obvious that um, he's as much a a victim of Bert Katz's shenanigans as anyone else. That like okay now, Rui's Rui's, Rui's on the up and up. Rui does believe the things he's saying. We can trust them. Um, I also like that there was a certain. It occasionally felt like Rui was putting on a little bit of a voice, which given his his perchin for. Dressing up in these costumes that clearly kind of disguise how he actually looks, I thought felt very appropriate. Like it, 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 it bought like okay, now this is this is a character kind of putting on a little bit of a facade for the public, you know, the public, which I thought I thought was a nice aspect of the performance. Um, let's talk about David, because oh boy, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to I was trying to remember what the first what, what the first thing I saw David Wald was because I don't I'm pretty sure this wasn't the first but the thing that I always think of like what's the first thing that I knew about like yeah David Wald was definitely definitely in uh, Mr. Tanagawa <laughs> and in retrospect it's like oh yeah you would cast him didn't as the narrator. I make you watch Shiki yeah but I don't remember if I watched that before or after Mr. Tanagawa <laughs> 
Very much before. I would have been, yeah, I would have been probably early that year. Look, I'm going to be real straight with you. The last five years are just a, a massive, undiluted time that I can't really sort through. Order means nothing. Time is to a be flat fair. circle. Fair. Fair. So that that is that is accurate. Um, but especially in retrospect, it's like, oh yeah, you would you would cast him to play this character, wouldn't you? Wow, that's you're just you're just you're you're just you're just you've you've left the atmosphere and gone to Jupiter, haven't you, Mister Wald? Say uh, hi to Channing when you're there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, he's he's so great. He is so incredibly over the top all the time, and just he's just very entertaining. Uh, he does a lot. He covers a lot of ground. He mimics other actors in the show. Um, he is just—he's—he's he's giving it his all. He is—he is. I think he is far and away the my favorite performance in here as well. He's just an absolute delight to listen to. He—he—he's one of the characters where I think, I, I, if there were any moments where, like on paper, like the dialogue maybe seemed a little shaky for his character, it never felt like it in the performance. He was—he was very good at selling all the everything he was given. Uh, he is great. I, I can only I can, I, I, I feel that the only reason this this didn't make him a star was that this was not on like TV or something. Otherwise, I feel like David Wald would have been a a bigger name much sooner. Just from this alone, he's great. Mm. Yeah, no, thumbs up. All right. Um, I guess I'll start with um, Jenny Strader as uh, President X and. Megan, to answer your question from earlier, um, there's not a lot of name credits to Jenny Strader's uh, basically ANN credited roles. Okay. So um, basically, Martian su- Martian successor Nadesco and uh, Girls on Panzer Der Film. Okay. Are basically the other things that she has like. A role that was basically in bold for. Uh, but here, uh, like Amon was saying, I like that there was sort of. I like that there was sort of an artificial but still kind of warm quality to her voice in the performance. Like, it was definitely a robot that was interacting with characters, but at the same time. You know, it it felt like something that did have the capacity for empathy. But it could also still be completely duped into thinking that an alien being mimicking the voice of her creator was basically her creator. And and yeah, also like Amon was saying, the, the scene where um, Rui is just walking on the walls, or I should say Burkatsa as Rui, is basically walking on the walls, jumping around, floating in midair, and just, President X is just looking there like, something's up with Rui. But I can't put my finger on just what. And it's like... You know, I I keep thinking of the um, that whole scene. I kept thinking of the um, the John Mulaney robot test joke. Oh God! Is it an E or is it a three? The passwords have passed. You have guessed, but now it's time for the robot test. 
Which of these images has a stop sign? It, like, that that was the whole thing I was thinking, and it, it's it's just great. Like, it, it, like the I am not a robot, click the box kind of thing. <laughs> anyway. Um, Shannon Emmerich as Rui. Um, honestly, their performance took about an episode or two for me to kind of get a baseline for. Uh, but overall, I think it's um, one of my favorite performances from them. Because one thing that I think they sold very, very well, and Megan was kind of alluding to it, um, they got sort of performing a panic attack down very well. Because that is, as somebody who occasionally suffers from panic attacks, they come suddenly, uh, and they are very, very difficult to imitate, unless you are in the middle of one. Uh, So the fact that Shannon was able to sort of Use that sort of frantic energy that you experience when, you know, uh, like a wave of panic rushes over you. Like, I I thought that was really interesting. I Also, the episode with... We're probably going to be coming back around to this one with a couple of characters, but the episode with the preschool... Oh, yeah. Mm. And, um, and the first, um, Gotcha Man web episode. Like, of, of basically Rui's scenes, I think one of Shannon Emmerich's better performances of the show in the first season is that first sort of live stream that the Gachaman do to introduce himself and say, you know, hey, Burkatz is up to stuff. Um, we don't know what to do to stop them, but we wanted you to know that this was happening kind of deals. Like, I... I think the fact that they were able to project sort of Rui's newfound sense of confidence really well... I really like that. And I I think it's a really underrated performance for this show. Um, now, as for David Wald and Bergkatza, um, you know, now that I'm starting to talk about it, I, I feel bad putting Shannon Emmerich and David Wald in the same category just because... Um, David Wald, from the first moment he appears on screen, he knew what he wanted to do with Burkatsa. And he he strides along with him. Or uh, he strides along with Katsa and uh, he burns through and not just doing impressions of other actors from the show, 
but also like actual celebrity impressions. Um, he also kind of gives an almost, you know, this is actually kind of a an apt comparison if you think about it with the character of Burkatsa, but he almost gives a Robin Williams as genie esque performance. Hmm. Um, if you could imagine Robin Williams doing a performance of the genie as you know actual genies in folklore where they grant you your wish but there's always a catch kind of deals like I feel like this would be close to it um cuts his interactions with Rui in particular um Especially when the two first meet and uh, Katsa extracts a note out of out of him. And it becomes clear that, you know, Rui initially uses this power that he's given and then decides, okay, you know what? Katsa's up to no good. I want to stop him. And I love how early on in the show that is Rui's motivation. But just does not have the means to do anything, you know, about Katsa running wild in the city. But uh, David Wall just chews every ounce of scenery he can get his hands on. Like, it's probably up there as one of my favorite David Wald performances like ever so moving on uh, we have J.J. Robinson who is he's not the leader of the uh, of the Gachaman on Earth he's he's more of a spiritual advisor I would say um, like Burkasa he has the ability to extract notes from people's souls that allow you to transform into Gachaman uh, it should also be mentioned that Burkasa is very much implied to have been a former Gachaman um, he doesn't really get to do much over the course of the series um, he is usually just there to provide uh, a prophecy that will lead the Gachaman into whatever their next conflict is. Um, and largely stays out of the larger conflict. He mostly seems interested in making birds out of paper. Burp. And he likes cutting birds out of paper, which represent the the Gachaman in a really interesting way. I like when one of them just fucking explodes at one point. Yeah. yeah. Like, boom. Which I think was meant to represent Joe? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's Joe getting his ass beat by Berg. Um. Mm. Oh, you know what? Because that, yeah, that represents the damaged will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's Symbolism! Uh, and then we have Paimon. Fuck Paimon. The character... Megan wants to yeet into the sun. Yeet into the sun, drop kick off a building. Um, 
put into I a fruit processor with dude. put him into a food processor with baby nut. <laughs> why why um, do you spoil perfectly good peanut butter like that? <laughs> now it's panda butter. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, Paimon's a little panda dude, and when he transforms into a gachaman. Uh, he becomes a giant monster tank that's actually really kind of badass in design. He he looks like he would fit in at Monster Jam very easily. Mm. Come right, Gravedigger. <laughs> monster Jam. Get your pit He tickets. looks like he's like ten minutes away from getting a contract from Paramount Films to make a movie that will terrify little kids in test screenings. <laughs> I am beneath enemy scrotum. <laughs> um, but Paimon's also kind of a little shit. But he has good reason to be a little shit. Are you sure about that? Um, he got his ass kicked in the past really bad by uh, Bergkatsa. And his arrival on Earth is basically, he is completely and utterly shaken to his core. Um, he actually drinks really heavily to basically forget about that time. And he, in the beginning of the series, he kind of treats his subordinates like crap. Which is so weird, coming from, like, a being that, with such a tiny body. But I digress. Um, over the course of the series and his interactions with Hajime, he slowly begins to regain his confidence. Um, to the point where, by the finale, he is basically ready to face Burkatsa again. But he doesn't get to. I'm trying oh, he not also to... gets a... <laughs> I'm trying not he to also laugh gets right a... now. Um, he, re- he also gets a scene where he gets to chew out the Prime Minister, and it's... <laughs> oh, it's so good. The only downside is I don't know if Shinzo Abe was in office when there, because now I just want footage of Paimon that says, I'm gonna be real with you, Shinzo Abe. This ain't gonna solve the declining birth rate, cheap Chief. Um, in any case, uh, J.J. Robinson is played by Loraldo Anzalduo, uh, which, by the way, fun fact, in both the Japanese and English versions of the series, uh, J.J. Robinson ends up being played by the same actor who plays Ken the Eagle in the original Gachaman. Um, and Paimon is played by Lucy Christian. Uh, so, Megan, why don't you start us off? Uh, I'll do JJ really quickly, because JJ doesn't talk very often. I just find it very weird that he sounds so young for a character design that's so old and decrepit looking. Mm. Um, I wish I could say more on the performance, but he, he rarely speaks. He's just sitting there clipping out burbs. Um, and before I move on, I just want to read this, because Andrew is fucking... Fuck! God damn it! Thank you, Andrew, for trolling the entire Funimation Discord. What's he done now? Um, 
Somebody no. was asking about the new Cobinary movies, and somebody said, uh, Cobinary Seagate, it's called. Andrew goes, Cobinary Seagate, let me know when we get Cobinary Sea Lab in 2021. Uh, <laughs> to which Andrew said, uh, we He's can have. too young to get that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> to which Andrew said, yes, we can have Cobinary Sea Lab 2021 only if we use the Sea Lab 2021 intro. To which somebody asked, is C-Lab an anime? <laughs> we wish. Dude, could you imagine a C-Lab 2021 anime? It'd be fucking great. It'd be made by Trigger, I can tell. <laughs> Would that mean the C-Lab goes to Space Sea? Sure. I know nothing of C-Lab 2021. Other it's than, good. It's, it's where I found out about a modest proposal. It's true. <laughs> Why does a modest proposal keep coming up on podcast episodes? Because Jonathan Swift is depressingly timely at all times. <laughs> I don't know what's worse, that it keeps coming up on the podcast, or that I've had to explain to people twice in my age what it is. Yes. Multiple times. The answer to that question. Multiple times. The answer to that question is yes. I also have another modest proposal. I vote that we dip Paimon into lava. Oh, boy. Um, I love Lucy Christian's work. I really do. I can't stand this performance. It's obnoxious. It is... There. It is just very, very strange. And I can't get past it. It is by far my least favorite performance in the show. Um, it sounds Which, by like... The way, um, sorry to interrupt, but I think it should be noted that in the Japanese, Paimon is played by Aya Hirano. Which I, I'm pretty sure would be just... I, I, I don't think that it's bad that they're played by... That Paimon is played by a woman. That's not the problem. The problem to me with, with Lucy's performance as Paimon is, I think, the direction choice on it. In which it sounds like Lucy Christian doing her recovery girl voice, but if she had to scream every fucking line. Okay. And that's just really grating on your ears. Because um, I think Lucy does a good job getting across the emotional parts of this thing. Like, when, for some reason in episode 11, there's just half the episode is dedicated to just everybody talking about Hajime for some fucking reason. And then the rest of the episode has nothing to do with Hajime at all. Like... It's, it's, the last two episodes of the show are very weird, and apparently a director's cut version of the show exists, and I really wish I could see it, because especially the last episode, like, just ends very abruptly. Um, but, I think that Paimon, Lucy's trying her best, and I, I can't falter for going this direction, I just don't think it came out well for my taste, and it just really annoyed me after a while where like even when Paimon had their good moments I just couldn't be like I'm like you're an annoying character I don't like you please stop like I couldn't get behind them having really cool moments and I think again Lucy does really well in those moments like where Lucy fesses up to being a coward but there's just something about the way Paimon talks that I just couldn't get behind and I say this as the person who genuinely doesn't mind, like, really kind of weirdish performances. It's just, I feel like Paimon screams, like, way too much for my for my liking. Okay. Um, Amon? 
Uh, before I go, I am just I just want to note, Megan. Mm-hmm. Shinzo Abe, assumed office, December 26, 2012. That's right! Paimon can, in fact, say Shinzo, damn, Shinzo Abe, this ain't gonna solve the declining birth rate, chief. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like, I would not be surprised if the Prime Minister character was a critique of Shinzo Abe. That, that, that feel, given, given what I know about certain attitudes towards the, um... Uh, I know his party has generally been in charge for quite a long time, so I would not be shocked. Uh, that feels very likely. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's start with Loraldo. Loraldo. I zoned out earlier, and I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I also don't quite know what to say about it. J- JJ feels like a character who. Watching the show made me wish I was a little more familiar with, like, one of the more traditional incarnations of Gachaman, because I feel like a lot of it is supposed to be like, this is how Gachaman works. And Gachaman Crowds doesn't do a lot of that. Uh, case in point, J.J. Robinson, uh, Robinson looks like a character who's going to be, he's important, he's the he's not the leader, but he's sort of this weird mentor figure. Design-wise, he makes absolutely no sense in this world. Uh, like, he just looks kind of off. Actually, watching this reminded me that for a long time, Gachaman Crowds was in my uh, Crunchyroll queue, and the their thumbnail for the first episode is like kind of a close-up of his head. And it only occurred to me watching this, it's like, that's a really weird character design for this show. He looks like he came from a different show. That has a slightly different aesthetic. Um, I'm not sure if any of that is intentional or means anything. Um, and uh, I'd like... Loretta does a good job with this weird character who doesn't really behave like I would imagine he's supposed to. And he sounds really... He sounds good doing all that nice poetry that I'm sure was a... Probably a haiku or some other kind of traditional Japanese poetry style in the original language. Um, he sounds good saying it. Um, yeah. And as far as Lucy goes... Uh... <laughs> Uh, this this strikes me as this is this is the correct performance for this character, and I feel like how much that means you're going to I I feel like a lot of that how much you enjoy it is also going to depend on do you want to chuck Paimon into the sun or do you merely wish to get him really drunk so he'll pass out and he'll stop bothering you, uh, or something yes. like that. Like <laughs> go both. the full OD method. Just go to the full <laughs> OD method and make the boy make that fucking panda OD. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Like I, I, I do a keg stand, panda. Is it, can you do a keg stand if you're shorter than the keg? <laughs> Not with that Not attitude. Not with that you attitude, can't. you can't. Um, just now, I'm imagining just OD. Like he's got the funnel in the tube, <laughs> and he's just pouring <laughs> beers down him. <laughs> oh. Uh, Don't worry, Hajime's got good beer goggles. I'm pretty sure. Undoubtedly. Hey, JJ, we're going streaking! <laughs> Sugane, we're going streaking! Where's the lie? Uh. <laughs> God, now I want an edit of old school with Paimon as Will Ferrell's character. God damn it. <laughs> old school. Gotcha, on old school. Old, old school crowds. <laughs> old school crowds. <laughs> Um, 
But yeah, I think I, I, I think I think I think Lucy gives a good performance for what I suspect this character, if not requires at least what they're going for, which I feel like Paimon is the the cute mascot character, but is also kind of abrasive and annoying and maybe a little inept for what they they claim their position is. Um. Yeah, it's it, it, it's sort of things where like I I don't know if I, I can't say how much you're going to enjoy it is for, again. Do you, do you, can you stand this character when they're on screen? If you do, or it doesn't mind, like I think you'll relatively enjoy this performance. And if not, I think it'll 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 highlight the aspects that are frustrating about the character, which I do think is appropriate, but doesn't necessarily mean it's fun to listen to. Um. Uh. Yeah. No. This is this is this is this was an interesting one. What a weird show this is. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's 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 what I, that's my thoughts. Okay. Um. So, like Megan and Amon, I really don't have a lot to say about Loraldo as JJ, just because at least in season one, um, character doesn't really do a lot except speak in very vague prophecy. Um, and even then, it's not directly attached to like lip flaps. It's usually just, like, spoken as, like, words appear in everybody's note, and like, I thought that was a really cool thing, but, you know, not a lot you can you can say about that, because it's just, like, it's calm, it's kind of fatherly, um, I will agree with Megan that it does feel a little young for the, you know, uh, for the character design, which, by the way, I also agree with Amon that it's very strange. Um, just an alien being uh, with, by the way, the elf ears and the vampire teeth um, in a traditional Japanese kimono. You know, as one does. Wait a minute. Uh, he stays just... inside all day. Is he Dracula? Amon, <laughs> <laughs> you say that, and you know what shit post made the rounds today with the announcement of Castlevania Season 3? Oh, you fucking bet. <laughs> 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 the, 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 I have to read it out just because it's so fucking good. Oh, if whoever's editing this can like put the screenshot in, it's... I'm gonna fuck Dracula versus I absolutely fucked Dracula. <laughs> hey, Dracula, you goddamn nerd. Where's my fucking money? <laughs> is he a good Dracula or is he bad Dracula written by Mark Gatiss and uh, Stephen Moffat? Ooh. <laughs> I just pissed off a bunch of fans. Says the person who likes a lot of the Matt Smith run of Doctor Who. Um, Look, we all, we all we all have our guilty pleasures. There's no shame in that. I still say oh, Eccleston. I say I still say Eccleston best Doctor, and everyone can come fight me on that. Hell yes. Shit, there was another vampire joke I was gonna make, but now I don't remember it. Eh. It was a pretty high stakes joke, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> don't worry, I didn't think it was gonna suck. I'm pretty sure you could have synced the landing. <laughs> um, so, basically, 
Uh, not a lot to say about JJ. Hopefully, hopefully he gets a little more to do in season two. I actually haven't even started that in the subtitled version yet. It was always like I had seen the first season as it was airing. I just never got around to the second, which I hear it's actually it takes a lot of the themes of season one and just rolls with them. But anyway, on to Lucy Christian as Paimon. Um, I agree that the character was, and the performance associated with it was a bit grating. Uh, but I do think that was deliberate. Um, just because I think you are supposed to be mad at Paimon at first. Like, I, I think the show is specifically designed for you to sort of have not great feelings about the character just because they're a bit of a jerk. And then you're supposed to gain sympathy as the show goes along because, you know, uh, nearly killed by Birdkatsa and completely lost confidence. Uh, as you do. Um, I am curious, I... Like I said, I did see this in the sub, but I don't remember much about it. So I am wondering about Aya Hirano's performance. Because uh, she does tend to do... She has at least a couple of these mascot characters that are meant to be a little grating in her resume. Um, but I think for what the show needed, Lucy Christian did an adequate job. I wasn't a particular fan of the direction it went into. Um, I got a lot of Narima Daikon Brothers vibes from her performance, and I just don't think it quite fit. Uh, she, she is a very talented actress, and this just happened to be a role that she didn't quite fit in. It sometimes happens. Uh, but overall, I... I think she did the best with what she thought she had to do. So I I don't entirely fault her for it. It's just a thing. And I should probably stop stammering on because I kind of ran out of words. <laughs> oh, don't worry. It happens. As you do. It happens. Um, our next set of characters are another batch of sort of the Gachamon who have kind of been here a while. Uh, first off, we have OD. Um, OD got he robbed. Is... <laughs> he got, got super <laughs> robbed. Um, OD is one of the older members of the Earth Gachamon crew. Um, he is in charge of their base of operations. Um, he also appointed himself the title as a sad gachamon who can't transform. Um, also because he got his ass kicked by Birdkatsa. Um, but also if Unfairly. he transforms... Unfairly. Uh, if he transforms on Earth, um, he is so powerful he would basically destroy it. Uh, and then we have, um... Oh, and actually, we'll we'll get to that in the actual review performance. But he um, 
he has a bit of a he has a bit more of a um, a serious demeanor, but then he's also incredibly flamboyant. And he is one of the first of the old crew to warm up to Hajime when she joins. Uh, and then we also have Utsutsu. Uh, it is implied that she is an experimental being. Uh, she can take life force from living beings with her right hand. And she can give it to others with her left. Um, she can basically heal and she can basically drain. Uh, she's also one of the last tra uh, Gachamon to transform in the show. Uh, the actual last being OD. Um, she's very quiet and very shy at first. And then it's revealed that she's, she was initially sort of angry at Hajime and her energy level. She was jealous of her. Uh, until Hajime warmed up to her and they actually became very good friends. Uh, so OD is played by Clint Bickham. And Utsutsu is played by Carly Mosier. Uh, so, Megan, why don't you start us off? Uh, I'll start with Utsutsu because Carly is very quiet and just Utsutsu doesn't talk very much for a lot of the show. Um, there are times where I think Carly sounds a little bit too old uh, just because Utsutsu is very tiny and I think she is the youngest member of the team. I think Hajime is a second year, she's a first year, and Sugane's a third year from what the show yeah. implies. Uh, but yeah, I, do I have think the Wikipedia that... up and she is a first year. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that Carly does a good job in this because I think that when Utsutsu needs to be emotional or have those quiet moments, uh, she nails it out of the... she knocks it out of the park. Uh, like when they're in the tunnel and Joe is preventing her from um, kind of overworking herself. And you kind of see those first sparks of, oh, I can help people and I'm not just going to kill everybody I touch. Because I know there's this very quiet scene where she tells uh, Hajime she doesn't want to touch anybody because she believes that she's going to kill them if she does. Because of her powers. Um, she also has a really baller transformation. Yeah. Hand of death, hand of life, fuck yeah, bitch. <laughs> um... I, I think that she does a really solid job, but let's talk about Quint Bickham, to which... God, you should watch the dub alone just to listen to Quint Bickham and David Wald gay at each other. Because at first, when Odie started talking, I was like, oh god, they're giving him the overly flamboyant gay voice. And it was rough. And I am somebody who immensely enjoys Quint Bickham's work. Um, I, I like him as a writer and I love him as an actor. And I think that there's a lot of times where I wish he was in more, more dub stuff because I think he's really good. Um... But, that being said, Odie really grew on me, and especially when you start to peel back what makes Odie half-human. Because he's half-alien, half-human. And there are points where Odie is very clearly emotionally not able to connect with people, but he's trying. 
And there's a lot of pain, especially with the guilt that comes with being the person who killed your home planet. Um, also, B, his Gatchaman form is fucking cool. Uh, yeah. Arrows of destruction, hell yeah. Um, I really, really, really liked Clint's performance. It's not my, it's probably like number three uh, to maybe number four to me, but I I genuinely really got into it. And I really got into it because he made me like Odie as a character and uh, just saying Odie got robbed, he should have gotten complete and total victory over Bergkata. Just saying. Hmm. Alright, um, Amon? Yeah. Um, I think I agree as, but I, I feel similarly about, um, Carlos' performance as a Sutsu. Um, she's very quiet. Uh, which, I, it, but I think, I think it's very, it is very appropriate for the character, and I do think Carly uses that baseline well, too, when, when the Sutsu has more, uh, Emotional moments, uh, you know, like for if, for example, you know, when they're we're in the collapsed tunnel and she's like, "I want to save these people. I can save these people. I want. I need to do this." Um, she 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 uses that quietness to then go into a, a different place, um, and I think she does that. She does that transition well. I think she has a, she has a good grasp of where this character, you know, sort of how this character is normally, so she can then work off of that. Um, or like, there's there's the nice moment where like. You know, she, she, you know, she goes to Hajime and she's like, can you help me make a, can you help me do origami? And it's just like, oh, you want, you just want some, you want to, you want to be friends with somebody. Oh, you're adorable. Go be friends. Um, I think she, she, I think, you know, Isutsu, I think is what, because she's one of the quieter characters, she doesn't have as much stuff to do vocally compared to some other characters. But I think she does a good performance. Um, and also I... When I was first watching the show, and Clint and OD first opened his mouth, I was also kind of worried. I don't. I hadn't heard that quite a aggressively camp performance in an anime in a while, so I was actually a little taken aback. I was like, "Oh, oh, this is old enough that this could go very badly, isn't it? Oh, oh, how's this going to turn out?" Um, but I didn't stay there. And I think a lot of it helped that as time went on, you get a better sense of who OD's character is. And at some point, a lot of that over-the-top flamboyance feels less like he's a gay stereotype and more like OD is putting on a good face because being a sad mope all the time isn't going to help anybody. So he's going to try and be energetic and happy, um, even though uh, he has, like, really severe bags under his eyes. <laughs> Which, once I noticed them, just I, they, they popped out every time he was on screen. It's like... Man, you've seen some shit, haven't you? You poor guy. Uh, and I think Clint helped a lot with that. He did. I thought he did a good job getting to the emotional core of Odie's character, <coughs> and a lot of like kind of like just the pain and sorrow that he carries along with him, but clearly doesn't want to like have defined his life, which is why he. I think he spends so much of the series being like. Sutsu, can you get something from Hajime? You probably want to spend time with anyways, and now you have an excuse. Yeah, go go do that. Um, yeah, he's he's he's, he's he's he was an interesting character, and I thought Clint played him very well. And uh, he got robbed, but at least he went out like a champ. I should mm. I should I should I should hope that I can go out as well as he did. Um. 
Yeah, no, I, I, despite my initial reservations, I thought Clint did a really good job with his character. I was, I was really happy with that. He's, uh, Dave, David's still the top performance overall, but I think Clint, Clint's definitely up there. I really liked what he did. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> um, so, I have to say that Carly Mosier's Utsutsu, it was the role that kind of suffered the most just because of the nature of the character. Utsutsu is very quiet, and when she speaks, she only says a few words at a time when we first meet her. Um, which, unfortunately, when you're a voice actress, um, it doesn't give you a lot of opportunity to get to know your character. When she maybe speaks, like, ten lines per episode in the first couple episodes. I mean, sorry, not lines, but, like, she speaks maybe ten words per episode. Um, and one thing I'm a little bit bummed about is just due to the nature of translation, um, she has a little bit of a pun, uh, to how she speaks in the Japanese version, just because, um, Usutsu is kind of a, a verbal pun with the word gloomy. Mm-hmm. So, um, she has a catchphrase that basically translates to, I'm gloomy, and it's a pun on her name. Which I thought, I thought that was really cute, but unfortunately, like, just due to the nature of what you have to do in order to dub an anime, it couldn't stay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can say that at the point of the of the series, I think it's about halfway through with the uh, with the tunnel incident, where she first decides, "Oh, you know what? I can use my power to help people," and she starts opening up to the other Gachaman. Um, that gave Carly Mosier an opportunity to get to know the character a little better, and um. Utsutsu's vocalization gets a lot better as it goes. Uh, to the point where I thought it was a really great performance in the last two episodes. Like, especially in the penultimate one where Utsutsu has to go through um, her monologue about how Hajime has touched her. And how She's inspired by just the eccentric ways of Hajime. Like, I, I thought that was really great and really well done. Um, Clint Bickham is OD. Um, like Megan and Amon, when OD first speaks, I, I honestly thought to myself, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Um, just because, you know, um, it is a very flamboyant performance, and in the wrong hands, it could have been a very, very disastrous, um, gay stereotype voice, but, uh, Clint Bickham takes it and goes with it in the route that shows that it's basically OD trying to 
cheer everyone up around him because he is having uh, trouble of his own and just seeing the people around him happy makes him happy. Um, I feel like if a certain director uh, who did a bunch of Sentai dubs in the past had managed to uh, dub the show. This might have gone in a completely different direction. Um, and not in a good way. I, I am picturing what you're suggesting, and I am, I am horrified by this mere concept. Um, while the catfight scene is great, and just two very good actors playing off of it, off of each other so very well. Um, I think I think OD's standout performance to me, uh, like Utsutsu, is um, his monologue in the penultimate episode where he's basically um, talking about his nature as a person and how, you know, Hajime's presence, like, helped him warm up to others and I don't know, it's stuff like that that really kind of really hits you where you live, you know? Like, that that was just a really good episode in and of itself. And the funny thing is, it's like half recap. But it's just the way the story writes itself around it that's just so good. Um, but I ended up really liking these two performances. Um, they both get very strong thumbs up from me. Uh, so moving on, we have, um, we have Joe Hibiki, uh, Q Megan Thirst. Yeah, bitch! Uh, Joe Hibiki is a civil servant. Um, God, he's, he's got a clean mode and a dirty mode. It's so great. <laughs> um, he's been a gachamon for about ten years. He can gotcha um, my mom any day. <laughs> He's legal. Uh, he has this wave of ennui um, that just... He cares very little about being a gotcha mon. And his, uh, his, self dis- his self-esteem is just completely shot. Uh, and early on in the show, he fights Burkasa, and he gets beat down bad. And he almost completely gives up his Gachamon powers, basically. I mean, you can't get rid of them, but he just doesn't transform, doesn't help out anybody. He's He's basically just a layabout in the base. And then it takes um, it takes the other character we're talking about in this segment, um, Tsugane Tachibana, whom Joe Hibiki saved when he was first when Tsugane was first being trained as a Gachaman. Uh, Joe saved him, and it really left a lasting impression on how he serves as a Gachaman. Um, Sugane represents basically the ideal, uh, of a, of a Gachaman. The, the stoic hero, the, or at least he wants to be. 
he's very strict. He's very... Um, he tries to uphold the, the traditions of his position as much as he can. Um, he's also the guy who's supposed to be training Hajime. And her eccentricities rub on him the wrong way. Uh, they get into a lot of fights in the beginning half of the show. Um, so, Joe Hibiki in the dub of Gachaman Crowds is played by Tai Mahaney. And Sugane Tachibana is played by Corey Hartzog. Uh, so, Megan, why don't you start us off? I'll start with Ty because as much as Joe is <laughs> smoking hot, uh, and he also has fire powers, hell yeah, um, he's very, he doesn't speak the most. He has a lot of really good moments, and I think he has probably one of the more intriguing character arcs in the show. And Ty does a really great job. Ty is known for playing these kind of bigger, older, more masculine characters. Um, uh, and then that one time where he literally plays a little old man in Suriname, and it's awesome. Uh, but I thought oh, he. Oh, I need to get to Suriname. You should. It's fucking great. Um, but I think that Ty really captures like an odd sense of emotional vulnerability in Joe. For as much as Joe is supposed to kind of be the big manly character, that's the manly one. He's kind of got his life all put together, but it's very clear he's given up on his ambitions for things. Uh, because it's always brought up, you graduated Tokyo University, uh, what the hell are you doing here as a civil servant? Couldn't you be doing anything you wanted with your life? And he's just like, eh, whatever. And I think he gets that sense of kind of apathy, while he's apathetic towards his normal life outside of being a gachaman, and then after getting his ass kicked by Berg, uh, becomes apathetic to that life until Sugane pulls his head out of his ass. And he's kind of got that grumble, that that lower pitch, and uh, but you can tell he also has this persona that he puts on in front of uh, his coworkers, where he's got his he wears his glasses, he's got his hair pulled back into a ponytail, uh, he goes drinking with them, but when he's off the job, his hair's down, he looks like he's literally just walked out of a bar fight with Trevor Trevor Belmont. Uh, <laughs> He does. He looks like fucking Gachamon Trevor Belmont. That's true. Um, and I, I really like Ty. And then Corey Hartsaga Sugane is the first character I immediately thought, like, this is a great performance on from moment one. And a lot of people don't really know Corey Hartsog's work because he's in very, very niche things. Um, the the biggest thing that I think a lot of our fans would know that, that Corey is on is that Corey... Corey is that little fucking bear bitch from Diabolic Lovers. Oh. He he does those types of shows. So getting him to play the straight man in a a very heroic straight man, very straight lace, has a stick up his ass, has to mellow out from Hajime, is kind of a dork about social interactions, like, where Hajime's like, oh, look, you got a cell phone. He's like, no, I didn't. He also feel he does also very much sound like a teenage boy. Um, I I absolutely love Corey as, as Sugane. He is a, a delightfully dumb nerd, and I think he really plays off. Uh, and I still think he also is a wide-eyed idealist at heart. 
Um, he like he isn't as he, but he's a different type of white eye idealist from Hajime, where he still believes in the concept of heroes and superpowers and and wanting to be the the man and, and save everybody. And you do think he's he's the good he's the straight cop to Hajime's wild gun. Uh, so, but I I genuinely really like it. So go ahead, Amon. Let's see. I agree a lot about Ty. I think Ty turns in a really nice performance with Joe. He's... I don't... It's felt... Realistic feels like a, a, a strange phrase to use in a show like this for a lot of reasons. But it, it, he, he did... He felt very natural. Like, I thought he just did a good job of capturing this guy who's like an adult and has been through things and has kind of had his a lot of his sort of idealism and energy just kind of worn down by life and circumstances. <clears throat> you know, the, the more ambitious person he used to be just isn't there anymore, and he just kind of keeps doing things, because that's what you gotta do. You gotta pay your bills, you gotta go to work, you gotta be a bird superhero, I guess. Uh, and he just kind of does them because that's what he's that's what's expected of him, so he's gonna do it. Um, and he feels, he feels just very kind of authentically, like... Worn down. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a well it's a well done performance in that regard, and I, I think it then works well that he die can match the character when like he gets into a fight with Burry and he gets his ass handed to them, and you know Sagune pulls him out of his funk later on, and he can he can be more energetic and still feel like the same character. Uh, you know, I like I I very much like the scene in the last episode or two where he's like. <laughs> He's in his like little his, his little you know neat mode, and he just yanks the hair tie off, and his hair just flumps out, and it's like, oh, yeah, just gonna go kick some ass, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought I, I thought it was it was a, it was a good strong performance, and one that I thought kind of stood out among a lot of the other characters here because it felt it had more a little more of a grounded quality. I think just because of kind of what Joe's arc is and how his character is written that I thought Ty was able to bring out well. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And Corey... I don't want to say Corey's performance is, like, adorable because that, feel, that feels wrong, but it's like, Sagune's trying so hard to just... He's just... I'm a, he's a superhero. He's going to take this seriously and he's going to be noble and he's got his sword with him and there's dignity in this position. And it's like, oh, you're... you're Son, I'm sorry. In any other Gachaman show, you'd be the hero, but you're in Gachaman crowds. But bless you for trying anyways. Uh, and Corey just does such a good job at playing that very, like, you know, 16-year-old who's trying to be very serious and very adult. Um, but then also, you know, <coughs> has to and you know has to spend all his time working off this way more high energy human being that he is he has been partnered with. Um, but then also, I think I think matching the character really well as he goes to this transformation, and he starts being maybe a little more like Hajime, or at least coming around to how Hajime sees things. Um, I think he he just balances it very well. Uh, it's 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 a shame that he's not in more stuff. He's clearly a very talented actor. I think this is probably the first thing I've seen him in, unless he was in was he in that dramatical murder OVA you showed me? Yes, he was. Right, I've technically seen him in that then, but this this would be this would be. He is he is the one that's in the least awful. <laughs> he's kind of in the one that's in the least awful of them. There's a least awful in there. <laughs> I would say that noise is one where it's just them touching each other and he just gets more blood bloody cuts on him is a lot less weird than 
just a lot of the other ones. You know, when you put it like that, you, you're, you're, you're I right. mean, it's better than having your nipples licked by a robot lion. I realize, I yeah, really, I would argue. I'm realizing how much of this OVA I've blocked out now. I mean, there's a part where just. Alba's just laying there and he's got two not twin looking twin dudes and they're robot animal friends and there's just like black Simba's licking his nipples and black Kaw from fucking Jungle Book is going up his booty hole. Oh. Where was I? Corey's a fine actor. I I hope I hope Sentai casts him in, in more other things. Because uh, I was looking at his AM page, I don't, I don't know if he's been in too much too recently. Um, I don't know if he acts with them anymore, is the thing. Oh, that's a shame. I wish he did, because I think he's great. No, he's, so. he's good. I like. I would quite like to hear a bit more stuff. I think he's very talented. I think he figured out... I think he I think he had a very good hold on Sagini's character from, like, the first episode almost. I think at the gate, he is. he was definitely one of the strongest performances in the show. Um, he's really good at this. Like, I he, he is... Un- he, he feels... Again, like, I think in a more traditional Gatchaman show, Sugune would be the main character. I think Cory could have totally, in a role like that, he could have easily carried the show, I think. He's clearly got good chops. I really enjoyed hearing him here. Uh, and if he isn't doing too much more work in the future, I should definitely track down more other... I see he was in the Tsuritama dub, which I'd never seen, so clearly I need to check that out. Um, yeah, no, I really liked him. He was a good, very good performance, I thought. I liked it a lot. Okay. Um, so I think I will start with, um, Corey and Tsugane. Um, I, I do really like the fact that, um, Corey did a really good job of basically playing him with a stick up his butt for the first couple of episodes. Um, but it also feels like, um... As it progresses and Tsugane starts opening himself up to his teammates, to Hajime, and and just tries not to be such a stick in the mud, um, he progresses very, very slowly... You you can see the progress he's making, uh, but at the same time, his character arc doesn't feel rushed. Um, which there are a few others that I think actually really did. Um, I personally think Utsutsu's was a little was a little quick, but that's just uh, personal feelings. Uh, I think Corey did a really good job of just sort of writing out Tsugane's character arc. And you know it is kind of a kind of a shame that he's not in more um you know anime dub projects, but I really have to I have to respect him here in Gachamon Crowds and I I really should pursue some other stuff that he's been in um cuz I really liked it. Uh, now, as for Taimahaney as as Joe Hibiki, um, I really like the fact that he he has sort of this gruff layabout personality, 
he had he has a very low, very gravelly voice, um, which I guess you can partially attribute to um, the Japanese version being Daisuke Namakawa. Oh boy, Joe's Daisuke Namakawa in Japan. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I, I figured that would be something you would appreciate. I do find that appreciative. Um, but I also like the fact that um, he is a gachamon with very clear fire powers. Uh, but he's not played as a hothead. I I feel like that trope is kind of overplayed. I, I like the fact that Joe, and in particular Ty playing Joe, um, like, he just feels like another guy at the bar. If, if you get what I'm... <clears throat> I, I like the fact that when he's basically in civil servant mode... Okay, another thing I really like. Um, Ty gives Joe two distinct voices. Uh, when his hair's up and then when his hair's down. Um, cause when his hair's up and he's basically a civil servant, he's playing an act for his co-workers. Uh, not just hiding the fact that he's a gachamon, but just sort of hiding the fact that he's sort of going through a depressive state which you know I really have to say that his character arc is basically uh, learning to live with what seems like depression and that's another thing that I really kind of appreciate about this show is that most of the most if not all of the characters have something else going on in their life that's holding them back. And it's them basically trying to cope. It's one of those things that I I had chosen the show for my birthday episode and I'm watching it and I'm like, you know what? I see this. This is really kind of an interesting thing that they're doing. And so... Uh... Thumbs up to Corey, thumbs up to Ty. Uh, really solid performances. Um, and that brings us to our last character that we'll be covering today. Um, Hajime Ichinose. Uh, she is a second year high school student. Uh, she has very recently been given her, her Gachamon powers and her note. Um, and her power is basically scissors. <laughs> like, that's that's her power. And, and gratuitous French. Gratuitous French. Oh, and, um, gratuitous French shit. Her power is gratuitous friendship. Gratuitous friendship! She literally, she literally hears somebody's not being friends and she pokes her head out like, I heard you weren't being friendly. <laughs> like she fucking old Greg's out of the water for people not being friendly to each other. Um, 
but she is just this little ball of energy. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised she even sleeps. She just, like, I feel like she falls asleep running. She has that much energy. Mm. Hajime like Ichinose? Oh my god. Hajime Ishinose is the fusion dance between friendship and five five hour energies for twenty five <laughs> continuous hours of energy. Oh boy. <laughs> or she's or she's the fusion dance between uh she's the fusion dance between friendship and power thirst. No. I think the best way we can describe Hajaichi Nose. You know those giant sippy cups that you get at truck stops? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like the giant Coca-Cola sippy cups? It's one of those filled with monster. Oh, oh my god. One of the oh my god, you would have a heart attack and die. Uh but it's her- um, one of the other things that she ends up doing really well is thinking outside the box. Um, she likes to assume the best of people and best of the situations that she runs across, which ends up being something that ends up she ends up being one of those really positive forces that when the big crisis of the show goes down, um, she doesn't necessarily know what to do, but she knows she wants to help. And I guess another good descriptor is that um, that old quote that gets attributed to uh, Mr. Rogers. Where he's basically going through and saying, you know... Um, you know, my mom used to tell me, like, when something really bad happens, find the helpers. She's the helper. She's a very good helper. Um, (laughs) um, so, Hajime Ichinose is played by Jessica Calvello. Um, I guess you would probably best know her as Hanji Zo from Attack on Titan... Um, she's been Cutie Honey in a bunch of Cutie Honey properties, including Universe, which just recently came out a couple months ago, and I still need to get to. Um, also, she is Excel in Excel Saga, which is what I know her from. She was the original Excel. I believe she never got to finish the performance because she it made her, like, really sick or something. She, she like, oh, she, yeah, she hurt near- herself. Yeah, she almost completely tore her vocal cords apart doing that role. Jessica Jessica Cavello doesn't half-ass anything, clearly. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, Megan, why don't you start us off? <sighs> so this is the performance I'm really mixed about. <coughs> um, I don't think it's bad, but I don't think it's excellent. And I think the biggest problem I have with it is that it sounds very, very, very close in very many ways to Hanji from Attack on Titan. 
And I shouldn't be bothered by that. But it, it, it's just something that sticks in your mind when, at this point, Jessica has become... <sighs> Jessica has become so intertwined with Hanji as a character. Like, to the point where I don't... I can't unhear it. I can't unhear Jessica as Hanji. But at the same time, like, if you put on a sub clip of Attack on Titan and had Hanji talk, well, I think Romy Pak is a fantastic actress and one of the best of all time, say you wise, it would feel wrong to me. That's how much Jessica is Hanji to me. And I think that Hajime herself is such a tricky character to play. Because Hajime is very complex, I think, in her emotions and her... And the way that she goes about things. And she requires such a high energy performance. And there are very little times where she's very low energy or negative. Um, the only time that I think she ever feels that way is in the very, very last scene where she calls her mom and says, No matter what, I'm always going to be me. Because you don't get to see why that happens. Uh, I'll let Roots explain it when he it's his turn. Because, like I said, the last episode of the show ends in a very jarring manner. But I think Jessica's doing her best. I think Jessica's trying to keep up very well, and it succeeds at some parts, and it doesn't in others. And it, it, it goes very back and forth in my mind to, oh my god, this isn't very good, to, oh my god, this is great, or, oh, this is just okay. And it, it's kind of all over the place as a performance. And it's very hard to get a solid grasp. I don't think that she's the best in this show, but I don't think it's a god-awful performance that should be hated, because I know a lot of people fucking hate this performance. So I just think it's a very mixed bag, and it's just very hard to get a read on, like, what works and what doesn't work. Okay. Um, Amon? Oh. So when I started watching this, you a lot of time, unless I'm hosting an episode, usually if I'm watching something, I tend not to look at the cast list ahead of time unless I'm like, you, you know, it got announced or something. Uh, so I watched the first episode, and I thought, boy, this Hajime lady is just, she's a lot, isn't she? And then I'm watching the credits go by. I'm like, Jessica Cavello. Wait, isn't she that woman who, like, blew her voice out because she played Excel too hard? Oh, that makes so much sense. Of course you cast her as this character. Um, so that was my initial thought. Um, I, I think I, I generally liked this performance. I may be benefiting from the fact that I have seen very, very little of the Attack on Titan dub. And it makes sense you cast this woman as Hanji, but I, I think aside from maybe like some clips here and there, I don't think I've actually seen or heard any of the performance. Um... And I, I, I thought she did, I thought she did a, she did a, she, she, she threaded a tricky needle for me in the sense that, like, as a real person, if I knew someone like Hajime, there are not enough fucking spoons in the world for me to allow to deal with her. I would just run away. <laughs> not, I, I don't have that kind of energy. Um, but as a fictional character, I find her very entertaining. Um, and I, I, I think, I fall further further on the side, I think Jessica did a good job of making Hajime seem a lot but not, but not cross the line into, like, annoying. She always felt like an appropriate level of a lot. Like, it always felt like the right level of very excited and maybe a little weight into what she's talking about at the time, but not in a way that it got, <coughs> <coughs> like, tiresome or exhausting to listen to. 
Which I think given that, like, Jessica is clearly putting a lot into this effort and just this, this you know, really selling the, you know, energy drink given human form vibe that Hajime has, I think I think that was really well done. Um, this, 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 I, I think as we, clearly a lot of people don't like this character. And I think this is definitely a kind of performance that you could easily, uh, just make just the most grating thing in the entire world, because it's just way too much all the time, and there's never any breathing room, and it never, uh, what's the word? Like, it never, you know, it never, it never, like, moves, it's just kind of the same thing for 20 minutes at a time. Uh, and I think I think this, Jessica did a very good job of avoiding that. I think there there is a there is a flexibility to the performance that isn't necessarily obvious, but I think is there, and it makes Hajime. I, I think it allow it lets this performance feel a lot more like nuanced than I think it would look like on the surface, given who the character is and how the performance is done. And I this this feels like a character who'd be very this is a character who'd be very easy to screw up. Um... And I, I am truly, really impressed by how well I think Jessica was able to play it. That you could, you could maintain that sort of really hyperactive energy the character is has all the time, and not have it just be like, ugh, uh, I can't, you know, like I can, I can watch more than one episode of this at a time, and not just feel completely exhausted whenever Najime is on screen. And I think that's, a, I think that's a real credit to the performance that I think she's able to get that out of that character and not have it just be an annoying blur that screams in your ear for, you know, 20 to 25 minutes. And then you turn the TV off and go listen to, like, uh, I don't know, you watch an episode of Serial Experiments Lane because that will be slow and maybe a little horrifying, but at least it's not loud. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I... Only mildly horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> All right, look, my standards for horrifying may not be a good baseline if you're not me. I will, I will admit that. Amon's, Amon's looking at Paranoia Agent like, this is a great, chilly, rainy Sunday afternoon watch. No, it's, it's that scene where he tries to hit the one guy and it doesn't work and he chucks a shoe at him. Hilarious. One of the best comedy moments in anime. I love it. It's like me sitting out, you know, looking out the window. I see a snowflake drop from the sky. Oh, you know what? You know what I could go for right now? A rewatch of the thing. Roots, are you gonna crack open a cold one with the boys to disastrous results? <laughs> <laughs> then there's <laughs> He's gone, Albon, we've lost him. Oh shoot. This is a terrible <laughs> birthday present. I have no, I have no recollection of the thing because that is just firmly in the camp of things that will make Megan piss her pants. Like, for I'm, good reason. I, I'm the person who, at the age of like twenty, like five <coughs> or twenty six, uh, would go on at the time what was the great movie ride at at at, at uh, Hollywood Studios at Disney, and hide her face and curl up through the entire Alien segment. In your defense, there's a big-ass alien in there. It's a reasonable reaction. You want to know what's scarier yeah. than the actual alien animatronic in that ride was? Tell. 
The actually horrifying animatronic of Sigourney Weaver. Ooh, that was bad, wasn't it? That thing, oh, <laughs> that oh thing God. did not age well. That thing did not age well. I, I I just imagine that, like, when Roots and I eventually live with each other, he's going to be like, honey, I'm watching the thing, and I'm just going to fuck off to another room for an hour. <laughs> Have fun, not with me. But Megan, just like my parents. But Megan, there's a cute dog on screen. Oh, oh, no, wait, never mind, don't come <laughs> no, in here. No, no. F- fuck you, Amon. Fuck you. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, are you all set? Yeah, though? no. I think th- I think Jessica turns in a a performance that uh, might seem kind of shallow, but I think actually has a lot of uh, like nuance and stuff going on underneath it, and I really appreciate that. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna start this off. Sort of. The more I thought about it, and the more I watched Gatchaman crowds. As much as people complain about Jessica Calvello's performance as Hajime Ichinose, I don't think there is another actress in the voice acting industry available to Houston now or then who could play Hajime to the energy it requires like Jessica Calvello. Hmm. Um, Hajime is a character that has a ton of layers to her. Um, I am surprised that, um, Maya Uchida, who played her in the Japanese version, was able to keep up with the writing of the character. Um, she is very fast-talking, she is very energetic... She has a lot to say about everything going on in the show. Um, and she is also filled to the brim with empathy for her fellow man. Um, that is Hajime's defining character trait. Empathy. Um, through her the other characters of the show find the opportunity to begin to heal. Um, to an extent, also, Burkatsa. Um, so now I'm going to be getting into severe spoiler alert territory, um, because I'm about to say a thing that, um, because of licensing complications with Sentai Filmworks acquiring the show, Um, this is something that was not able to, uh, be brought over when Sentai brought Gachaman crowds to the U.S. Um, there is a, a segment of the final episode that basically acts as a director's cut. Um, Burkata has been defeated by OD. Um, he's going around town and seeing that. His master plan has completely backfired on him. Uh, and he gets incredibly frustrated and just disappears. Um, and Hajime had made um, had made Katsa an offer 
uh, right before the final battle began, that she would be waiting at a train station and that they could go on a date. Uh, so, Katsa decides to take Hajime up on the offer, where she reveals that she knows Katsa's true nature, and that a little piece of him exists in everybody on Earth. Uh, and through that, uh, she incorporates uh, Katsa's note into herself, and, um, and merges with the being Burkatsa, which is a thing that apparently becomes a very important plot point in Gachaman Crowd's Insight, uh, but is never properly explained unless you have access to this director's cut of the show. Um, but, you know, the fact that it wasn't able to be licensed is what it is. It's, you know, legal stuff is weird. Just gonna leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but going off of that point, um, Jessica Calvello's performance as Hajime is incredibly complex. Um, she is able to keep up with Hajime's energy level, while at the same time she's able to slowly unravel the the character arc of Hajime um, basically going through one by one with the Gachamon crew and doing little acts of kindness that awaken their true selves and it's great I while it's not my favorite performance of the show I definitely appreciate it um, it is it is probably the performance I appreciate most from the show as it stands. Um, so a very strong thumbs up to Jessica Calvello. Uh, really good job with Hajime. Uh, and with that, um, I guess we'll go into final thoughts. So Megan, why don't you um, why don't you start with yours? Sure, I'll get one started while you deal with the dog, that really unsuspecting dog over there. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I thought this dub was actually surprisingly more solid than it was made out to be to me. Uh, I know a lot of people like to rag on this dub as, like, bad old Sentai dub. Um, listen, listen, look, none of you fuckers can phase me. I've watched Dramatical Murder. <laughs> that is, by far, I still think the worst dub I've ever watched for the show. Like... That is the worst dub I've ever watched. Because um, I was smart enough not to watch The Reflection. <laughs> I love you, honey. I am but... never not going to get shit for that, am I? Nope. We're going to get married and someone's going to bring that up at our wedding. <laughs> someone's going to... There's, like, things that are going to happen at people's wedding. Like, I'm going to dunk Andrew... Like, he... Like, I'm Dwight Howard. At his... And I've already given permission for Steph and Gigi to dunk me at their at my wedding. It's it's all fair. Um, Amon, we will treat you fairly at yours. You've done nothing wrong. That's very kind of you. Amon has done nothing wrong, and Natasha doesn't deserve that. <laughs> um, but no, like I didn't think this was a bad dub at all. A lot of people like to give the dub a bad rap, and I think they like to give the show a bad rap for some people. Like, 
Listen, I love Saritama. I like the guy who directs the show. <laughs> this was a great watch. I think the dub is a very solid effort. Um, I don't think it's the best that Sentai's ever done, but I also don't think it's, like, the god-awful worst. Um, I had a great time watching it, and, like, I watched all of the dub for this in a day, and my immediate thought getting to the last episode was just Zuko being like, that's it? Where's the rest of it? And the rest of it's called Insight, so. <laughs> Go ahead, Amon. Yeah, I think I think I agree. Like, I think I had heard this had a reputation of being, like, not a great dub. Uh, and I think maybe maybe if you compare it to, like, the stuff Sentai is doing now, which I think is, like, they've put out a lot of stolid stuff in the last few years. I think maybe it's pales a little comparison. But I, I, I don't think that reputation is entirely earned. Like, I think maybe some of the teenage slang seems a little weird now. Uh, maybe it hasn't dated as well as it could have. But, like, no, this is, this is a, I think this is very solidly written. I think a lot of the performances are very solid. Uh, like, I... I enjoy this a lot. I think, you know, if you want to watch this show, like, this is a perfectly good way, this is a perfectly good way to watch this. Like, it's, it's well, like, I really enjoyed watching the dub. Uh, I think some of these performances are just, like, excellent, and, you know, if you, if you enjoyed David Wald, you would be doing yourself a disservice to skip this one. He's absolutely fantastic in it. Uh, yeah, this is, thumbs up. I really enjoyed watching this, and I'm, I'm glad I finally watched this show. Uh, it is, it is an entertaining time, to say the least. All right, so first and foremost, I think Gachamon Crowds, as a show, um, whether you decide to watch it subbed or dubbed, um, should nowadays be required viewing. Um, It is incredibly on the nose to where we are today. Um, Like, it is... Very scary how much the show predicted the influence of social media on our lives um, at the point where social media was just starting to be the juggernaut that it is. Um, It predicted the giant rise of Twitter as it was basically just hatching from the egg. (laughs) It, you know, it is the perfect warning story for the influence of social media as a whole, that it can be this incredible force for good when people want it to be, but then it can absolutely destroy as quickly as it can build up. Um, so, as a show, I think it is very poignant and, like, a very strong recommendation. Um, and I hear that Insight takes that a step further, and I can't wait to dig into that. Um, as for the dub itself, um, as it seems to be one of those transitional shows from... Uh, the days when ADV and Sentai uh, sent their dubs elsewhere in Houston to be dubbed. Um, this was, at least from the outset, and again, if I'm wrong, please absolutely correct me on this. Um, this seems to be one of the 
one of the dubs from those early days when um, Sentai was setting up dubbing space internally. Um, and I don't want it to sound like I'm saying, you know, this was when Sentai Filmworks was getting really serious about their dubbing initiative. Um, I think that level of seriousness was always there, but, you know, bringing things in uh, from a sort of perspective of quality control, you know, not... It's rarely not a good thing. Or, it's rarely... It's rarely a bad thing. So... Um, I do appreciate this show as sort of that little bit of of history of Sentai Filmworks and the Houston dubbing scene. So, um, performances can be a little rough at times, but they do definitely improve as the show goes on. And I am really curious to see how um, Insight carries those those character arcs and those performances along while also bringing in a bunch of, uh, you know, looking at the Wikipedia, there's a bunch of actors that really don't have any sort of Wikipedia page, but, you know, uh, considering everything going on with Terry Doty and Wikipedia, that should not surprise me. Um, but... Overall, I think this is a dub worth checking out and a show that should absolutely be seen. Um, and if you would like to check out Gatchaman Crowds, uh, the subversion is available on Crunchyroll still, I, if I recall correctly. Um, mm -hmm. But both the sub and the dub are available via High Dive. Okay, it's five bucks a month. Ooh, and they have Ahiro no Sora, like, right at the front, and that... Oh, that is actually a really cool show. Um, so, you get a 14-day free trial. Um, if High Dive does not end up being your, your jam, um, do make sure to cancel that trial subscription, or you are going to be charged, because they do ask for a credit card. Um, we get a lot of help here at Dub Talk, um, namely from you, the listeners listening to us, uh, via YouTube, and I think this is going to be part of a, um, part of the, I, I want to say we have the podcast on Podbean yes, now? Yes, we do. Okay, because this is a... I guess this is the first time I'm hosting an episode since we got the Podbean feed up live. Um, so, you know, YouTube, like, as long as this isn't, like, somebody ripping the, ripping the video and putting it on their own channel. Uh, if you go down to the, down to all the down below and click the subscribe button and the bell button... Like, you're doing us a huge solid. And I don't know how exactly you subscribe to our podcast feed on Podbean, but um, I'm assuming you've already done that since you're listening to it. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, but not only do we have our listeners to thank, um, we have patrons via our Patreon. Uh, 
which our link will also be down in the down below for that. Um, uh, so we have a bunch of people to thank from our our Patreon. Uh, from our $5 tier, we have Crimson Echidna, Michelle Travis, and Nico Robin, but with yaoi hands. Uh, and in our $10 tier, we have Carly Lessacow, Jacob Wilson, J2, a.k.a. Jared, uh, Marissa Lenti, and Weeby. Um, I should also note that we have a Twitter feed at twitter.com slash dubtalkpodcast, uh, mainly used to, you know, promote stuff we're doing, upcoming episodes. Uh, sometimes we post anime dub memes and, like, really cool or important things that voice actors are saying about stuff, so... A uh, pretty useful resource right there. And, you know, if we happen to be at a con, we also tend to uh, post the really big announcements that come out of that convention. So, giving us a follow is definitely worth your time. Um, but also, giving us a follow is also very much worth your time. Because we put a lot of work in these episodes. And we do appreciate, you know, a little bit of interaction with the people who listen to our show. That's true. Uh, so, Megan, why don't you start us off on where we can find you? You can follow me at Queen Era 2. I shit post. I talk about how much I love this, the pug boy. Uh, and I post videos of my cat and her uh, eternal quest to become American Idol. <laughs> She's she, she has learned to start singing at the garage door in the attempts that my dad will let her out. Oh, no. She is loud enough to be heard in the bathroom. I have a loud hey, fat. Buddy. I have a loud fat oh cat. My, oh my! <laughs> She's a good girl. All right, so Amon, where can we find you on the internet? And do you happen to have a dusty song? Well, if uh, on the internet, you can find me on Twitter at AmonDuelUS. Duel has two U's in it. I talk about movies, and comic books, and uh, music. And so it happens I do have a dusty old song, although this one this one is less old and dusty than usual. Um, so, Gotcha Man first broadcasts in 1972, and it's about space and all those cool things. You know, it's also from 1972, and it's about space and cool things like that. It's a little album you might have heard of, called The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. And I'm not going to share a song from that because wouldn't you happen to know it? In 2000, in 2013, when Gatchaman Crowds came out, David Bowie, against the odds, having long thought to have retired following a heart attack he had on tour, surprise releases an album called The Next Day. It's a good album. I highly recommend it. If you'd like a, a song to try out, I would recommend the song You Will Set the World on Fire. It's really good. And I would also recommend it for the album cover. Uh, which may be the single, it is so horrible and lazy that it loops back around to being the greatest album cover in the history of music. And I, I quite like it quite a lot. <laughs> if, you, if you're not familiar, it is the album cover to his album, Heroes, except Heroes has been sloppily crossed out with a pen, and his face has been covered by a white square that says the uh, title of the album, The Next Day, in 
It's not quite Times New Roman, but it's close to that. It's a good time. Oh. <laughs> so I recommend that. Oh, God, that actually sounds perfect. Um, so if you <laughs> would like to follow me on the social medias, um, I am on the twitter.com at Roots of Justice. Uh, mainly just retweet cute animal pics. I've been trying to be a little more proactive on it. Um, I am... I have been working for the past couple months, so it's been a little hard to devote as much time to my Twitter feed as I used to, but I'm I'm trying to get back into the habit. Um, I try to talk general fandom stuff. Um, I also have long and gestation reviews of um, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance and what we do in the shadows. Um, I'll probably figure out a place to post them as soon as I can, and um, they'll be on my social media feed when I finally get them done. Nice. Uh, so with that, I think we are finished with Gachamon Crowds. Uh, which, by the way, also a, a fun fact: um, this episode actually is physically recording on my birthday. Yeah, yeah so it is I, actually his birthday. He is another year older. How do you? How do you do, fellow adult? <laughs> <laughs> yep. That it is. Celebrating my 32nd rotation around the sun. I'm proud of you that you've made it 32 rotations around the sun. <laughs> Are you dizzy? Very much so. And kind of tired. Uh, so from us at Dub Talk to you, have a wonderful morning, evening, commute, whatever time of day you're listening to us. And Otaku on there, Dubba's. Rock on Boston. Rock on Cleveland. Also, don't be like Hajime. Don't run with scissors. Don't do that. It's bad for you. Good night. Don't go running with scissors or any other pointed object. It's all fun and games until someone loses eye! Then this just becomes a clamp anime. (laughs) Can we stop recording now? Bye. Question before we go on. Alon, your birthday's in what month again? April. Okay, so I posted in my, my Discord uh, what Fire Emblem Three Houses character you have to marry, and congratulations, you get to fuck Claude. Which one's Claude? So you. The golden deer one who hangs upside down and shoots arrows and is a schemer. What does he look like? I don't know anything about any of these people and what they look like. I'll, I'll send you a picture on Skype. Also, honey, I'm so sorry you get Lorenz. Oh, mother. Is, who gets Edna Kerbapple? <laughs> January. Okay. I, for oh, one, got Marianne. My brother gets Edna Kerbapple. <laughs> for the record, I get Marianne, who is just lesbian beast. <laughs> like She's just a lesbian werewolf, but she doesn't turn into a wolf. She just berserks out and goes into the woods. Oh, I'm disappointed. I thought you meant Beast from the X-Men. That sounded way cooler. I mean, that would be really fucking cool. <laughs> just just big, fur- anyway, big uh, furry lesbian lady talking just... smart things all the time. And on that day, three people, four people grew fetishes that day. 
Their fetishes grew through green. Somewhere out there, a man's fetish through grew three sizes that day. <laughs> Olay! It's dub talk time! In the dub talk, dub talk, dub, dub talk, bleh! Okay, I can do this. Olay! It's dub talk time! In the dub talk, dub, dub talk, dub talk, bleh! In the dub talk, dub talk, dub, dub talk, dub podcast room, in the dub talk, dub, 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 Olay! It's dub talk time! In the dub 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 podcast room, in the dub 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 podcast room, all the host screams words and the editors groan. In the dub talk dub 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 talk room, welcome listeners to fuck. Oh my god! Holy shit! How did the Sherman brothers do this? Ah! How the fuck did the Sherman brothers do this? Jamal, you can put this at the end of the episode as bloopers.